Thanks for being here this morning. We are going to celebrate baptisms at the end of our service today, and we're very excited. We've got three people going to be baptized today. I know uh, many of you are here to celebrate that with them. So thank you for coming. We've been uh, in a series on discipleship, talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And we've come to the point where we're talking about the context of discipleship, and we're talking about fellowship. But I wanted to go a little bit of a different direction than even I planned to go this morning. Um, God has just impressed some things upon my heart. I wanted to read some scriptures and start with that this morning. I'm going to read from three places. I'm going to start in Psalm 85. Psalm 85, verses 6 and 7. Listen to God's word with me. Will you not revive us again? that your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I want you to ponder that first part of Psalm 85, verse 6. Will you not revive us again? He's praying to God. Will you not revive us again, God? I want to read Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 24, 25, and 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? For what shall a man give in return for his soul? I you to ponder that question this morning. What will it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? And last, the passage that I think we'll camp in this morning is Philippians chapter 3. Starting in verse 7, listen to the Apostle Paul write this from prison. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count Everything has lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Think about verse 7. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever gain I had in this life, he said, I, I counted as loss for the sake of, He says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. My question this morning, I, I wrote down two questions, and the first one is this. Are we, are you, willing to be emptied? Let's pray together. Father, as we consider the question that I, I think your scriptures pose to us, do you make us willing this morning? Am I willing to be emptied of all that I previously counted as gain? 
Am I willing to be emptied of all the parts of me that I don't want to come to the surface? Am I willing to be emptied of all the things that are inside of me that I'm not even aware of? Am I willing to be empty, God, so that I could pray Psalm 85? Will you revive me again from this emptiness? Am I willing to be emptied, God? I pray we would be. I pray we would be walking, living examples of Philippians 1.21, that for us to live as Christ and to die would actually be gain. So we yield ourselves to you this morning, God. We open up your word and ask for you to speak to our hearts and to change us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are we willing to be emptied? Are you willing to be emptied? Are you willing to be emptied of what matters least so that you can be filled with what matters most? When I think of this word empty, I began to write, do you, are you willing to be frail? Are you willing to be weak? Because that's what it means to be empty. It means to be vulnerable, to be empty. To be vulnerable. To, to be in a position where you can't necessarily defend yourself. Now, that's the epitome of loving someone, right? It's making yourself vulnerable to them. To be hurt, to experience pain and loss. Are you willing to be emptied? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to be frail or to be weak? But the other side of being emptied is, are you willing to be true and honest with yourself and with God? Because to be emptied means we have to be honest about what's inside. Al and KK uh, have faithfully served uh, her father for a decade, uh, and he passed away last November. Big D, as he was affectionately known, lived in the same house for, is it 60 plus years he lived uh, on, on <laughs> yeah, more than that, 70 years almost. And uh, Big D acquired a collection over the years, would be a mild way of putting it. And you say a collection of what? And the answer is yes. Uh, he acquired a collection of just about everything. And uh, since November, they, Alan and KK have taken time to, to grieve. They have felt more free to travel and be with family. They have kids in North Carolina and Tennessee and New York City and so they made a commitment to be at all the grandkids' birthdays this year. So if you wonder, where's Al on Sunday sometimes? He's with his grandkids uh, celebrating birthdays. They've missed a lot over the years. Only one of them kind of got to the point where only one of Al or KK could travel because uh, they were taking care of Big D. Well, now that Big D's gone, they're taking care of Big D's stuff. And so they kind of looked, uh, we and staff have come to just call it behind the fence. So if you've been to their house, they kind of have a long drive that comes up and beautiful yard and a, and a house that Big D built, um, and then there's kind of a garage area that Alan KK have used for some storage, then there's the infamous fence, and behind the fence lies the collection. So they have started this journey of saying, what do we do with the collection? Is it even possible to get it all gone? I don't even know. 
Is there anything worth saving? Matthew's been helping them figure out, hey, you know, let's sell some of this. This is worth something. Well, I know that truck's been broken down for 20 years, but there's somebody that'll pay a couple hundred dollars for it, I promise you. And sure enough, they've been slowly figuring out how to sell things. And if people have come, sure enough, they go, well, what else do you have? And they say, well, look around and come back and ask me how much you want to pay for some of this stuff. So they'll look around, and then sure enough, they'll find something that they say, I didn't even know this was back here. But if they're ever going to empty behind the fence, at some point, they're going to have to know what's behind the fence. Part of being emptied, you're going to know what's on the inside. So, so the hardest part about being emptied may not be the emptying. Maybe coming to terms with what's in there that needs to be emptied. Realizing the things in your life that you've counted as gain that you didn't realize you were counting as gain. Realizing the way the root systems of your life have become so intertwined with the things of this world that you did not realize your joy was so tied to things in this life that could easily pass away. The things that Jesus says in Matthew 16, you could gain it all, but you'll lose your soul. I've got a warning for us this morning. Your soul can become so intertwined with those things, you not even know it. It'll sneak up on you. It's the kinds of things that Paul says, whatever gain I had, whatever things I would boast about, it's loss compared to knowing Christ. Our soul is deep. There's no way we could exhaustively know ourselves. The good news is we serve a God that is willing and already has searched us and known us. Psalm 139, we prayed through it on July 4th if you were with us during our prayer gathering. But my question this morning is, are you willing to be emptied? Not just of the ways your root systems of your heart have depended on things, have grown into things, your joy has been staked on things that are going to pass away. Maybe there's pain in your heart. Uh, it's this week, right? Four years ago, <laughs> we decided to uh, adopt kids. We had no idea where that would take us over the last four years. But one of the places it's taken us is seeing how fragile and moldable a child's mind is, and we all know this, but especially kids that, like we have in our family, that have come out of foster care. So it's led us into learning and reading and just trying to wrap our minds around how our little minds work in our house. And so... We've been reading this book called The Whole Brain Child, and yesterday I'm learning about implicit memory that sometimes you'll have an experience that your brain remembers that maybe you don't consciously remember, but your brain protects itself by sending emotions your way when you get put in a similar situation. So you don't know why you're screaming mad at the pool because you kind of like the pool, but for some reason this time you're screaming mad, and really you had a memory a long time ago of something traumatic happening, and then now here you are. There's things in your heart and your life that, that are just like that. And I'm not even asking you to go search out and be able to name what it all is because 
you will die with stories in your heart that are untold and unknown to you. You will die with sins in your heart that you've never repented of and conquered. That's not the point of this life. But the point of this life is as best as we can, are are you willing to be empty? Are you willing to hold those stories up to say, God, you've got to write this. I don't know why I do what I do. I don't know all the reasons why my brain works the way it does. I don't know all the reasons why I feel hurt and why I feel sad and why I feel vulnerable. But God, I'm willing to be emptied of it all and give it to you. That is what it means to be emptied. That we hold our hands open to God and say, this is yours. And so what has led me to this this morning was that this week we had a call. We do occasional um, virtual visits, and uh, none of our kids' biological parents have ever showed up. We have a very rare foster care story where we've adopted three, all three of our foster kids that we've brought into our home, and we have assumed Anila's going to be on the same track. We have no reason to believe otherwise even today, uh, except on Friday, her biological mom decides to show up to a virtual visit, and all of a sudden, everything flashes before our eyes and our minds go to the worst case scenario. It doesn't matter that she's been out of her life for a year and a half. What, what if she decides she's ready to come back in? What does that mean for the way we've loved our youngest daughter? What, is, what, what does this mean for us? Is she going to try to come back in and ruin this thing? We don't trust her. We don't think that there's anything in her life that, th- and our minds are swirling. And in one month from today, we have a, a court case that that's going to determine, are we going to, is the court going to take away her parental rights and move her fully towards adoption, or are they going to give her a, a longer leash and more time to make this thing right? And we get on the Zoom call, and we think there's no way she's coming, and she comes up, and immediately all of these emotions come down. And I have had a sense for 48 hours now, Johnny, are you willing to be emptied? Are you willing to love this daughter that you don't know if you'll get her back? And that's no different from your kids that come out of your womb Do you hold them all with an open hand? Because God didn't promise you this afternoon or tomorrow. But part of what it means to love them is that you're vulnerable and you're exposing yourself to losing what you love. You're exposing yourself to losing what you love. And Jesus says, what if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? The only hope we have in this life is not that we would harden our heart. That's what C.S. Lewis said. Look, we got two options with love. You can choose to not make yourself vulnerable and your heart will harden like a rock and you'll never let anyone in. Or you choose to make yourself vulnerable. And brothers and sisters, if that's what we choose to do this morning, make ourselves vulnerable, then what we're choosing to do is to say, I've got the thing that no one can take from me. I'm not making myself vulnerable so that I can gain the world and lose my soul. I'm choosing to gain my soul in Jesus so I can empty myself and be vulnerable to love all these things that might very well be taken from me. Are you willing to be emptied of what matters least to be filled with what matters most? This is the only thing that can prepare you for loss in this life. I've been following a church in Nashville pastor named Robbie Gallaty, Long Hollow Baptist Church, and they have experienced incredible revival since about Christmas. They've baptized a thousand people 
seemingly out of the blue. It started on a day that was their lowest attended Sunday in a long time, even since COVID. A lot of the staff had taken off for Christmas, and God just showed up, and they have seen people get baptized who have not been walking with Jesus or maybe had been saved and never followed in baptism. And God has sent incredible revival. And one of their main leaders at the church, a guy named Chris Swain, neighbors just found him at the mailbox a week ago Saturday. No explanation. His family was off on vacation. He's 47 years old. No explanation. The doctors still don't have an explanation. The life was gone. And I'm watching the pastor of this church kind of say, he was my best friend. He was kind of my right hand on our staff. They hosted this podcast. I was explain, trying to put into words what God was doing in the sense of revival. It was very clear God was doing something new in their hearts that they'd never experienced before. And then while this church is on this spiritual high loss, like none of them could have predicted. If your hope in this life is to be safe, to have a security of things that won't leave you, to not experience pain, you could very well gain the world and lose your soul. You could very well gain all the things that matter least. And that's what God has continued to press upon my heart. Are you willing to be emptied? Are you willing to be honest about what's inside of you? I, I started writing down in my own things. What, what are the things I count as gain? Or what are the things inside of me I need to be emptied of? Fear? Do you know, often I don't sleep well because I have fear and anxiety in my heart. I'm much more comfortable when I can control the outcomes in my life. Possible life complications. I don't like them. No. No complications, please. Give me a clear path between one and two, between A and B. Give me a straight line. Complications? Give me enough heads up. I'll try to control it. That's what I did Friday. We get on the Zoom call. I see it on there. What do I do? I'm immediately trying to call a defects worker, call a case manager, call these people, and try to control my way into, and I just went, I can't. I can't. I, I can't do that. This is a complication that's out of my hands. Am I willing, in the middle of that emotional thunderstorm in my heart, instead of pushing it down or instead of bringing it up so I can control it, am I willing to bring it up in all of its shame and fear and say, God, here? I don't know what's going to get me out of this. But, but guess what? Paul thought he could control his spiritual destiny. If you read all of Philippians 3, he says, if anybody's got a reason to boast in the flesh, I do. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He said, I win Jew of the century. But I count it all as loss. All the things that Paul had gained that he said, I can control my spiritual destiny. I can control my leadership, my authority, my power. I can control everything about my life. He says, I I'm emptied of it, giving it up. Hold it with an open hand. What in the world would possess us to do that unless the Paul who wrote that in Philippians 3 had prayed Psalm 85, 6. Will you revive me again? 
The only kind of person that's willing to be totally emptied to the point where it feels like death is the person that believes that somebody can reach down into the death and revive them again. And revive them again. The confusing emotions that I push down that I don't want to be emptied of. You know when you push things down and you don't think about it? It doesn't mean you're emptied of it. That just means you're ignoring it. Disappointments in my life, things that I had really hoped in. Maybe disappointments in myself. I grew up playing sports, and so I felt like I needed a life inspirational quote. And so before my time, a guy named Dr. J, who I thought was incredible, he said, I demand more of myself than anyone else could ever expect. And I thought, that sounds awesome. That will make a great sports illustrated quote when I make it in the magazine one day. So I'll say, hey, I've always told myself what Julius Irving said. I demand more of myself than anyone else could ever expect. And guess what? I did live by it, and it has haunted me. The demands on myself, the expectations for myself that I've hoped in, achievements that I would have. Shouldn't I be further along by now? Shouldn't I be more successful by now? Shouldn't I have more answers by now? Shouldn't these doubts be gone by now? Am I willing to be emptied of the expectations I had for myself? Not push them down, but bring them up and turn them over to God. And let God do with them as he pleases. When I realize, and maybe when you realize, what you've been holding on to as gain, it can be embarrassing. Oftentimes, that's why we don't want to be emptied. It's embarrassing to be emptied. You've got to say what's in there. You've got to be honest about what's in your heart, what's in your mind. It can be embarrassing. But if gain is having your life under control, then loss, like Paul explains it, is giving it all to God. Loss is giving it all to God. And so, um, sermon's not over, but we're going to have a time of prayer. This might not fit well in a recording, but that's okay. I'd like for just a minute for us to all pray that we would be emptied. Or maybe pray, God, make me willing to be emptied of whatever is in your life. Sins you've been holding on to that has tied up the root system of your heart. Suffering that you've been through that you've been shoving down, dealing and processing with it. All of the things in your heart God wants it all. Are you willing to be emptied? I'd like for us to take just a minute and pray. You can get on your knees. You can come up here if you'd like to. But just pray for just a minute. It's going to be quiet. I don't know if it's been quiet in a church service for you in a while. But we're going to be quiet for just a minute. And pray that we'd be willing to be emptied.
God, I'm not sure I'm willing to be totally emptied, but I'm willing to pray for it. And so help me to be brutally honest with you and with myself about the things I need to be emptied of, God. The things that are standing in the way between you and I. The things that make me frail and weak that I don't want to admit. The confusing emotions, the life complications. The sin that's gotten down into the root system of my heart and intertwined itself and hidden itself so that I'm not even sure it's there anymore. But when it's exposed, God, I'm embarrassed. And when that tree dies, I feel that it has died in the root system of my heart because there's a void there that I didn't know I was depending on for life. So God, the way I see it is we can lose all and have Christ or we can gain all and lose Christ. Father, I pray we choose option one this morning. We open up our hands, God. And we know we're not responsible to know every single aspect of our heart in order that we can empty it before you and confess before you. That's just another way of having a law standard to live up to. So that's not what we're after this morning, God. We're after a heart that's willing to be emptied, a heart that's yielding to you, God. Surrender. So give us that spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we continue to read in Philippians 3, we see why Paul wanted to be emptied. He says, in order that I may gain Christ, and being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Do you see the source of what Paul's talking about has fundamentally changed? If you read Philippians 3, you read five or six verses of him talking about his resume, and then he moves on to five or six verses all talking about Christ's resume. The righteousness from God. He wants Christ's righteousness. That's what it means to be emptied is you all of a sudden say, I don't have the bank account to pay this bill. Someone else has got to come do this for me. So what it means to be emptied is that you're all of a sudden vulnerable to being filled up again. You have to be filled up from the outside because you say, I don't have it from the inside. And that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3. I'm counting it all as loss. I'm totally emptying myself of everything, every scrap that I could take pride in, everything that I could say, look what I've done to control my life. Everything we just talked about, I'm willing to be emptied for it so that I could be filled up with Jesus he says in verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's the hymn of heaven, the song we just sang a minute ago. There will be a day. But the only way to be filled with Christ, to be filled with Psalm 103, says, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives, who heals, who redeems, who crowns, who satisfies. The only way to experience those benefits in Jesus is to first empty yourself of everything that's your Jesus replacement. And I pray that we'd be willing to be emptied so that we could be filled with the Christ of Philippians 3. The one who's not scared of what he finds when he renovates our heart. The one who's not fearful of what's behind the fence. 
The one who's not shocked when things come up out of our heart that we didn't even know were there, and they're embarrassing for us, and we don't even want to name it because of how sad we are that it exists in our heart, the emotions that we don't want to admit that we have because we can't fix it, all the things we can't fix, all the things we can't name, all the things we can't control, all the things in our heart that we're scared to say that they're there. Jesus is not shocked or afraid. He's excited. Because Jesus, ace of spades, is the resurrection. And I've got news for you. The resurrection is only possible in one place. The grave. So if you're not willing to get down in the grave, the resurrection is no hope to you. But if you get down in the grave, the good news is that Jesus has been there first. If you read the gospel accounts, it seems as though he's even swept and tidied the place for you folded his garments neatly as he left. So don't be afraid of the grave. You won't be there long because Christ stands ready to meet you there and welcome you into resurrection life. The danger of resurrection life, though, is that you will have to learn that you cannot live out of your own resources there. Christ gives you everything from start to last. Now you said we were in a series on discipleship and we're supposed to be talking about fellowship and relationships. You're going to get there. Yeah, here we are. The second thing I wrote down after are you willing to be emptied is are you willing to bring others in on your emptiness? Because that's the game changer. Every believer has a choice. Are you going to live in isolation, which is far safer, more convenient, and easier? Or are you going to live in relationships, which is far messier and far more difficult? But it's far more rewarding. Ray Ortland said that in a little book called Gospel, in which he doesn't just talk about gospel doctrine, but he talks about gospel culture. I commend it to all of you. Maybe I'll buy them all and give them away. Something Al would do. You have a choice. As you experience this profound brokenness and emptiness, as you crawl into the grave so that you can meet Christ there and he can pull you out into resurrection life, are you going to walk that path in isolation? And if you do, I'll question that you've even walked the path. Because the only way, Scripture does not give a category for a follower of Jesus that doesn't intimately belong to a local church community. There's just no category for it in the New Testament. Never. Why? Because you need other people. We're present with ourselves and we're aware of our emptiness. We're bringing those things to God, emptying ourselves before God, and then we bring other people in. And it's amazing how we were so obviously created for that. I don't know what it is, but it's something like when you've got this thing bubbling over in your heart, this thing that's impossible for you to wrestle with, if you just talk to somebody about it, God seems to change your heart in the talking about it. I don't know if you've experienced that. I've experienced that. God brings freedom in bringing it to light in the presence of other people. So as you're empty, are you willing to tell somebody, hey, I'm, I'm, God's doing this thing in me. And I, I don't even know what it's all about, but he's just doing this thing, and I just gotta have somebody I've gotta talk to about it. 
Do you have a community that you're willing to submit to to say, God's doing something, I don't know what it is. Do you happen to know what it is? Can you speak to me? I mean, the Holy Spirit's in you, and I need that. Will you speak to me? Will you encourage me? Will you pray for me? I'm hurting. Are you willing to bring other people in to your emptiness and your brokenness? I hope so. I hope so. And I hope that this morning you would take a step towards that. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to be ready to pray. After the songs, we're going to do baptism, but I'm going to be ready to pray with you. But there's people in this room you might need to pray with. Maybe one of the ways you need to take a step is you need to say, I'm going to commit to becoming a member right here at Shalford. Maybe, you, maybe we're going to baptize this morning. I don't know how many towels we have, but maybe you say, I got I to gotta get in that water. I don't know if this is spontaneous baptism or not, but if you need to be baptized, would you tell me? I think we'll, we'll figure out a way to do this. Because maybe, maybe you have come to know Jesus in a place of isolation in your life and you've never told anyone through baptism. You've never publicly identified, hey, I need to be baptized. That's one of our stories this morning. Somebody has come to know Christ over a decade ago. God did amazing work in his life. And he was, I'll give him credit, he tried to be baptized. The church said, no, you you were baptized as a child and that's good. And what we believe is that baptism is a picture of after you've come to know Christ, it's a physical representation of you dying with Christ and being raised with him to new life. So maybe, maybe you need to be baptized and you've never been baptized. But I go back to the two questions this morning that are for you. Nathan, go ahead and come on up. We're going to get ready to sing. Are you willing to be emptied of all that's in your heart so that you can be filled with Christ and his life? And are you willing to bring others in on your emptiness? Are you willing to bring others in as God empties you and fills you with Jesus? Let's pray together. God, thank you for doing the work so that we don't have to. Thank you for doing this work in my own heart, God. Thank you for taking me on this journey that, God, I'm never going to arrive in until I'm in your presence. And that kind of takes the pressure off of every day of wondering, am I supposed to have arrived already? I don't have to wonder that, God. As long as I'm on this earth, the answer is no. But the question rather posed to me is, are you willing to be emptied today? so that you can be filled with Christ. And I pray that for every single one of us, the answer would be yes. I pray that Shaliford Church would be built on a culture of people willing to be emptied of ourselves so that we'd be filled with you, God. God, do this work in our hearts as we submit ourselves to you this morning. We need the resurrection life of Jesus. Because in ourselves, we'd rather gain the world and lose our souls, but Jesus, you come in and make us new. That's what we're after this morning. Thank you for the three that are getting baptized, God. What an incredible testimony of how you bring new life. I pray that you do it in more folks this morning, God. Call people to yourself. Invite them to crawl into the grave so that they can meet Jesus there. God, we are thankful for you and your incredible love. We're thankful that you are our refuge, our safe place to do this. 
in an attitude of prayer, I just want to remind you how we're going to respond. We're going to sing and we're going to pray. You can pray alone. You can grab someone else or you can come right up front and grab me and I would be so happy to pray with you. But you're pondering that question, am I willing to be emptied of what matters least so that I can be filled with what matters most? God, I pray our answer would be yes in Jesus' name. Amen.